Hey everybody, this is us in the middle of an uncharted conversation. It's just a snapshot of our friendship as pastors and brothers in ministry. Fair warning, while there are some serious moments, this is us just having a little bit of fun. Hope you enjoy. Can I taste that? Yeah, it's good. Now it's 20 calories, so it's 20 calories more than a LaCroix, but... Mm. It's called Liquid Death, Bury It Alive. It's just all this, this is like all marketing. harsh... It's just a whole can of marketing. Like bold language, and then all it is is seltzer. It's the Mark Driscoll of waters. Wow. <laughs> no, it's the afflicted of waters. <laughs> the tap out shirt of waters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up in Not the bad, <laughs> right? Not bad. It's a little bit stronger than a, a LaCroix. Well, LaCroix is like... Aha. Have you guys had AHA? I've never heard of AHA. I have I've had the AHA, the bubbly. Yeah, bubbly. Is that, water, not champagne. Is that what it's called? AHA, yes. Was LaCroix the first? They were the biggest. They were the biggest. Here's what I've heard, and this could be, you might have to fact check me, but LaCroix has been around for several years. Hey, Tommy, can you fact check that? Good. <laughs> Snopes. Um, the company started in New York, and they got a bunch of influencers to like just take pictures of them with LaCroix, and suddenly on Instagram, blew up completely. Oh, really? Is that how it happened? Brilliant. Yeah. Gross. Well, it happened. I do Aldi's version, which is called Aldi Water. Aldi's. What's the appeal? Like, you're thirsty. You want water. I you do. don't drink sparkling water? I will. I don't like, oh, I could really go for a sparkling water right now. I Look, water's if, water. If I could choose... For the rest of my life, I would love water delivered to me in carbonation. Same. I don't understand that. Same. I would never drink flat water again if I didn't have to. Move to Europe. Yep. Why? I I like it. No, but... It makes me feel fancy. (laughs) I feel like a fancy boy when I drink sparkling water. (laughs) You can't answer that question. There's not... It doesn't taste any different. I like the feel. I like the mouthfeel thing. It's the viscosity. Sensory stuff, mm. I guess. I don't know. Are you saying I have sensory issues? I am not not saying that. Liquid death. Liquid death. Now we want to talk about liquid redemption. Aaron, <clears throat> would you tell us more about liquid justification? Where did you buy that? Uh, Circle K. The one down here at the hill? The have you ever hill? had the hot dog down there? Someone was telling me no. that it's actually really good. And no, I've, I'm just scared. I'm scared to try it. You know what I'm a fan of? The hot dog at uh, Home Depot out in front. Yes. That guy. And it, he loves Jesus, them, right? Who are you talking about? So in front of Home Depot, there's a hot dog stand, and the guy just blasts Christian music. It has like bumper stickers all over his thing. It's a good hot dog, Christian. huh? It's but great. you know, from a neighboring standpoint, Ryan, we would encourage our members to pursue hot dogs at those who don't know Jesus as a way to be proximate. Mm. Well, maybe that's what this guy's doing. He's interacting with unbelieving people and giving them hot dogs. Let me ask you a question. Costco hot dog I'm or... A fan. Well, I want to compare it, though, to you were recently at a Dodger game. Mm. Nothing can beat Farmer John's. Yeah, that's like a California thing, so I'm still new to the game on that. Hello, over here. I just gave you something to interact with. I'm I'm coming back. And you just (laughs) Farmer John. I'm coming back to that. Well, Farmer John was the traditional Dodger dog. What do you mean was? Why'd they stop it? I don't know. Prices. I'll bet. Nah. Farmer John's is tied up in Long Beach in a crate. (laughs) <laughs> but here's here's something that uh, the Dodgers do now is you could do the the regular Dodger dog, the jumbo Dodger dog, or you could get like the big bratwurst. 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 Last time I got the bacon wrapped Dodger dog with mayonnaise, like it was a, a doyer dog kind of. It was really good. Okay, so compared to that to Costco, I mean this was better because it was kind of gourmet. But Costco is just consistent, and it's a dollar fifty. Yeah, it's the best deal in America. 
right? Jared, I've said this many times. I don't think back east I remember you talking about hot dogs as much as you do out here. Is that true? I'm not saying you didn't love them. It was a growing passion, for sure. I think what has exacerbated it is the absence of a good hot dog out here. Because in North Carolina, it was everywhere. Like, there were six good, really good hot dog places in the town I lived in. That is true. One right around the corner. Now, we've done Doghouse together. Doghouse is decent. Remember that? That was two years ago. Almost exactly. Wait a minute. The place in your habit? No. Remember Truck Buddies? Yeah. We went down to Ikea. Yes, 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 yes. We had Doghouse. That was a fantastic dog. dog. It's a good dog. It's not bad. There's no doghouse out here, right? No, no, but what was the hot dog place near the Habit that closed down? Yeah, they closed. Um, that place. That place. Some play on words with hot dog? Probably. It's always a, yeah. I don't think it was bad. I didn't think it was bad. I don't. It I wasn't mean, great, but it wasn't bad. Okay. Went there one time, had one hot dog. There was 14 hot dogs on the menu. I, so maybe there they was got a, a... They got the Carolina dog wrong. I'll tell you that. But you know what doghouse does? They do, the, they do the Hawaiian... The Hawaiian it's bread, genius, oh, and they toast it. So you yeah. get the crunch. Oh, buddy! What what oh, buddy. what sets apart a Carolina dog? Their um, their slaw wasn't right, and their chili wasn't right. Look at you sitting over there, piously judging. It was wrong, judge- it was wrong Aaron. In a world of black and white and truth and error, it was wrong. <laughs> this is never. We're, we're gonna get like a hundred people get... who said, "You know what? I thought Magnify was something different." Thanks uh, so much. We're gonna leave the church now. Thanks. <laughs> hey guys, let me ask you this. Um, what are three takeaways from the, what you're reading right now? Oh, let's not do that right now. Because here's what's sad. I either have like 18 takeaways that I can't, I'm still trying to process through, or I have nothing. There's never two or three succinct like, oh, here are my, t-. I, I don't read no. that way. No, it's a monologue. I can give you a monologue. Yeah. We can talk about this later, but I noticed uh, a new book at my door this week, and it was Telling a Better Story. Yes. By Joshua Chartraw. Yeah. Phenomenal Great book. book. Such a good book. So thank you for influencing Jared by that for all. Yes. I'm very Jared glad intru- Joe bought that for us. He introduced that to me before England. Mm-hmm. I read it in one day. As took, you do. You, you'll like pound a book in a day. Like maybe. Took the book with me to England on the airplane, read it again, and then I kept talking about it like to everyone who went on that, that church history tour. It's a good book. And... Uh, Corollary is uh, Rich. I think you say his name as Gansel. It's hard to say. I think he's down at Biola, and he has one called Our Deepest Desires, which is really good. Really, really good. Did you ever uh, read the J.K. Smith, You Are What You Love? I haven't. I've not read it. Matt Dixon gave it to me, and I still haven't read it. That's a good book. I just read his How to Not Be Secular, which was amazing. Wow, he's a good thinker. Amazing. And therefore, writer. Ryan, it looks like the um, liquid death has given you some problems. A little bit of heartburn already? Yeah, you know. Liquid, liquid, it hurts so good. It hurts so good. Does it give you energy? Is it half caffeine? Oh, yeah, does it have taurine or whatever? (laughs) No, it's just 20 calories of flavor. I just don't understand it. So three grams of sugar and uh, some calcium. How long? You've been here eight years. How long you been here? Eight years. (gasps) You all came in the same year? Yeah, you came three months before me? Yep. Uh, I didn't know it was that close. It was August. But it's, it's like blended in my head because you were still around. Yeah. You were at Grace. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't start until... And you current. started incrementally, right? Uh, I did. Yeah. So it was part-time for a yeah. bit. Right. With just youth ministry? Music for students? Yeah. While easing into orchestra. So oh. I was I was playing bass with them. Hey, everybody. We're here with Ryan Fogelsong and Aaron Miller for a special episode of Magnify. I just want to make sure we identify voices. Ryan, tell us more about what those first few months at Grace Baptist Church were like. Terrible. Just terrible. He's actually not lying. <laughs> no, no. Was, we were we were very aggressive with wanting to get to know you. 
Okay, no, we have to do this. You're going to hate this, and I hate doing it, but it has to be done. Okay, here's the thing, folks. Jared and I knew of Ryan Fogelsong back east before we met him. Hold on. Could you not? I think this is important. I think team chemistry is of value for the people of Grace Baptist Church. No, because we were big fans. Actually, I don't want to speak for you. I was big fans of Enfield. I was delighted to meet Ryan. I was not previously aware of Ryan. But when I met him, I said to myself, I wish I had known him before and loved him nigh these many decades. Because my church back east, I'm sorry, I, I, I committed the fallacy of transference. I took my experience and projected it onto you. That's wrong. But my church back east, we would send the college students out to the Resolve Conference, and I went on that trip, and so on and so forth. We were led in musical worship by Enfield, and we were impressed. So when I then heard of Ryan Fogelsong coming on staff, I kind of had a little fanboy moment, and I'm really embarrassed now because you're one of my best friends, and I have no idea what I was thinking. You're, you're very talented, man. It is what it is. And that's fine. It's good, you know, praise and- God. I mean, I know. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know anyone who has as much leather as Ryan has. You want to uh, elaborate love on to. that? <clears throat> if you ever have a chance to visit the office and or the home of Ryan Fogelsong, you'll notice, huh, it, man, it really smells manly in here. <laughs> Jeez. Couldn't help but think of uh, the plains of our great country. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> The foundation of our nation in many ways. Ryan, do you perchance have any any piece of leather here? And Ryan would go, uh, we'll come in here. And he would open up. It's Closets. literally, it's, it's, a, it's a warehouse yes. of leather that he owns. Bags. Bags jackets. But, but not even that. He has, and I'm not joking here, we have nesting doll bags of leather it's true so like it's a tiny bag that goes in a little bit bigger bag that goes in a bigger bag that goes in a bigger bag that's in a bigger bag still all made of leather no it's true it's like there's a leather satchel for an apple i I, have all things leather i enjoy quality tell them tell them what happened the other day the other day they called and said ryan would you be who's that the marlboro man of christianity (laughs) (laughs) that's what they said and he had to wrestle through whether or not he's willing to do that Yes, I enjoy <laughs> non-tobacco. I enjoy obviously. leather, and not just any leather. I enjoy full grain leather. Do you think you have a full full cow worth of leather in your oh, home? At least a herd, oh, perhaps. Yeah, S- small cow. When family. my wife watches me walk out the door with my bag, she says, "You know, did you remember to polish your calf?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have leather bags. It's by a company called Saddleback Leather. They're fantastic. Every bag is it has Saddleback leather slash Ryan. Dude, you're talking as if they're paying you something for saying well, this. Well, they should. Every bag, every every item that they have has a hundred year warranty. Mm-hmm. So there's no breakable parts on their bag. Everything's a buckle. There's no zippers at all. So there's um, a slim chance that something's gonna break or rip or whatever. But if it does, you send it in and they'll repair it or they'll give you a free bag. Jared, do you collect anything? I used to collect keychains. So when we were visiting, my parents were missionaries. When we visited all these churches all over, my sister would collect spoons. My brother was too young, and I would collect keychains. And so like, I tried to get one from every state. Right. But I do not currently collect anything. I don't think I do either. I mean, I have lots of other things, things good, like I, I collect lots good, of books. Good memories. I collect good memories, Aaron. Oh, well, there you go. And friends. Mm, people. Oh. When my brother gets here, we should ask him about his Star Wars character oh, collection. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. He, it is. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. 
You don't know about this? So my brother collected Let's the also ca- ask him what he eats. <gasps> no, yeah. I do remember this. The little Kenner action figures. Didn't he Star have Wars? a... Mm-hmm. It was an Instagram of them all on the table. Yes. And those are just the ones that he's opened. He has boxes of like unopened that I'm sure are going to be worth something. Okay. Someday. So what's what's the plan here? Like just, is he going to... Retire at 45, cash in on Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Obviously. I mean, because if he wanted to preserve them, he should have never opened them. Well, he opened them to play with them, but... As soon as the prequel started coming out, he doesn't have any of those opened. They're all still in their box. In fact, he lined his walls with them. So Just like boxes of Jar Jar Binks then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you, as a kid, collect anything like that? Not really. I Also, though, you were pretty like, like your migration out of sports and into music. Yeah. That became your thing. It did. It did. Uh, that was in high school. Jared, have you heard about that? Like how he stopped playing football? He was like senior year, right? No, I haven't heard this. Story. Yeah, junior year. Man, I thought, I mean, I played sports all the way growing up, and we did like karate and soccer and baseball and archery and all that stuff. Um, played football in high school up until I found a guitar in my grandpa's attic. Seriously? Yeah. So oh, I've never this. heard the story. So get this Antique Roadshow was really popular at the time. And my parents would watch that show, we'd watch it as a family. As it should be. My gosh. And then <laughs> someone said, you know, your dad has an attic full of stuff that's never been opened. So we spent a whole summer and we'd go up in the attic every weekend and we would just find stuff. That's right? awesome. Okay, so you found the guitar. Yeah, we found a guitar, found an old like 1920 shotgun, we found a violin, and the guitar was in perfect condition except for uh, um, a cracked neck. So I got the neck repaired and I taught myself guitar in the summer. But like after after that, it was all music. But back up, there was no YouTube when that no. happened. Mm-mm. So what do you mean you taught yourself guitar? So tabs were still a thing. Okay. So tab tablature is a way of uh, reading music, but it's very simple, so it doesn't get into notation at all. So you would listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman and then try to recreate what you heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, tab on the internet, and then my neighbor had a bunch of like guitar magazines, so he just gave me a whole stack, and that's how I learned. That's amazing. Yeah, because YouTube wasn't a thing. So you started with then. just acoustic, and then moved to bass. Yeah, and I I only got into bass because when I was here at Grace Baptist in high school, the youth band didn't have a bass player. They had drummer, singer, guitarist. And so I'm like, I want to get involved. I guess I'll learn the bass. So so why did that necessitate you quitting sports? Just passions changed. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with music. And I mean, as a kid, I was really into Legos and taking apart toys to figure out how they worked. I took that same curiosity into music. And so when I went away to college, I'm like, I want to find out how music works. So composition became my major. And you're proficient now in how many instruments? Harp? No. <laughs> I mean, Harp's a chord. I'd say guitar, bass, and piano. You're being modest. I, I You're un- being modest. I understand, and I could speak to the other instruments, but I can't play them. You can't play drums. I could play rock beat A. I think <laughs> I asked you that once. It's like, what can you not play? He goes, I can't really play drums. I was like, uh, I bet you could, though. Aaron, I have a, a question for you. I have a random question generator here. You have your phone. Random, and- random question generator. Okay. <clears throat> Has there ever been a point in your life when you found yourself... At the White House for a press briefing during a national emergency. Is that true? Show it to me. Is that what that phone no, says? I just made it up. I've never been in the White House during a press conference during a national crisis. Tell, us, tell us about when you were in the I White House. I have been in the White House oh, many times. Oh, many oh many a new times. one. <clears throat> have, yeah. have you ever worn a sweater from the <laughs> 90s in the White House? <laughs> I have. I, I, um, I have. I thought you might have. There's pictures in the Oval Office wearing a sweater that. Should have been burned. (laughs) 
You've been in the Oval Office how many times? Twice. White House, 14 times. Just like a Cosby sweater, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, can we say that name on this podcast? I don't think we can say that name. I mean, there was the show. We know of Jello. Well, yabba dabba do. <laughs> <laughs> Your one big regret is that you didn't learn a musical instrument. It really is, yeah. And my dad told me that. So I hated piano lessons. I hated guitar lessons. I was in both. And he said, you know, my biggest regret is that I, I didn't stick with piano lessons. I would have loved to be able to play a musical instrument now as an adult. And I was like, <laughs> sure. Great. I'm never going to be an adult, so I don't care about that. And now, yeah, I definitely wish I would have. Okay. So I just I just told my son this story because he's in piano lessons now and struggling. I want to pivot. Random question. I honestly don't think I've ever asked you guys this. If God had not called you into ministry, you would fill in the blank. Be a journalist. Journalist. You would, Ryan. Uh, be a touring bass player. Dude, I definitely would get into journalism. I would love to be a news anchor. Yeah. yeah or I print. I would love print. Alan, Did you want to read that text? Or? Alan Berthiam. Do you have contact info for... Ooh, I do. I don't, know, I don't even know who that is. Wasn't he on that 70s show? I'm not sure of the spelling, but I can't find him in Have MP. him text me. Did we just want to go ahead and read our emails and texts now? <laughs> <laughs> Journalism? Yeah. But like in my mind, there's like a Hollywood version of that where like, you know, I'm a wartime correspondent or I'm like, you know, in the middle of a crisis somewhere and I'm on camera and I'm getting the gritty details of a story i'm wearing a rumpled suit coat i've had 15 cups of coffee and i'm meeting somebody in a parking garage for a source and you're not mm. sure if you're going to get out of that alive wait going back to your hypothetical what would you do outside of music oh outside of music goodness i don't know be a twitch game streamer yep wait, wait. yep okay i don't i'm not that old but what is that so people like to watch other people play video games oh dude I mean, maybe poet makes no money though. I enjoy. Let's press into that, Ryan. How many songs have you written? Many. A lot of them aren't completed. A lot of them are just thoughts. How many songs are out there that you have written, including arrangements? Maybe. I guess I have to include that, right? Maybe forty. And you've like jumped in on some ones that like everybody knows. Like all I have is Christ, right? Like you've written portions of that or arranged portions I've, of that. I've, I've helped arrange those. I yep. think of like accomplishments like that, or. You take it to a different stratosphere. You talk about like the Ogs. Hey, what did you do with your life? Oh, I translated the Bible into a language yeah. that didn't previously have the Bible. Right. I mean, I lost 20 pounds in about four weeks. And that's, I mean, I would say that's like my current writing success. worship songs for the church, translating the scriptures, 20 pounds. That's all I got, bud. Kind of all there. Do you think anyone really wants to listen to this? I don't know. If you called a bonus episode? It's all you there's no expectation. We're calling it a bonus episode. What's the topic? There is no topic. We're just three pastors singing our song. DC Talk. Man. Just released another song. You told me that. They were the first record that I ever bought. It was free at last. And it was a tape. It was a tape from family Christian oh, bookstores. Do you remember how simple the world was when there was Newsboys and DC Talk? They were kind of like rivals, and and they all knelt before the throne of Michael W. Smith. Yeah, he was the prince of. And we were CCM. like all like, I am a Jesus freak. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I am. And we thought that was like persecution. Well, yep. Like, well, they had a shirt, didn't they have a shirt that like on talked about yeah. like I'm persecuted? Yeah. A book on martyrs called record. the original Jesus freaks. That's right. So, well, well, let's talk about let's talk about youth culture in the '90s, Ooh. which we grew up in. Honestly, I don't have a lot of good things to say. 
Well, I was. I'm not saying God. To be fair, didn't... I wasn't looking for any good things. <laughs> okay. I mean, there were good things. Like consumerism in the church was at an all-time high. I'm not saying that that was true of every church. Obviously, that there were there were branches within evangelicalism that that didn't ring true. But I was, I think, kind of influenced by a consumerism mindset, um, and so youth group was a highlight in my life because there were girls there, not because I was interested in anything the Lord was doing. Yeah, so that just got into everything. So I just go based on preferences, and I would attend different events based on preferences and. That was encouraged, and I was checking the boxes for mom and dad to go to church, and it was all about the Christian bubble, the Christian music, the Christian conferences, or like youth conferences, and yeah, I, I don't know. It was True all love about, weights cards? All of that, man. Yeah, I say it jokingly. There was a lot of good stuff. I mean, for me in the early 2000s, youth group and camp is what God used to call me into ministry in a very incipient way, but I think there was, there was just this weird duality of like trying to recreate secular culture with the veneer of Christianity that, <clears throat> I don't know, it, it didn't work. Like, it wasn't actually good art. I didn't feel like I started walking in the life of Christ until after my freshman year of college. And not after, or maybe during my freshman year of college. It was during the end of my junior year, start of my senior year that I did. Yeah. That's when it was for me. You were, I mean, we were all, all three of us, raised in the church. Yeah. And if you were to ask us at the age of, say, 14, 15, 16, are you guys... Christ followers, we would have said yes. 100%. Oh, yeah. yep. Do you think you were at that time, though? No. No. No, I don't think so either. I don't think no, so. I mean, I was like, I was leading our youth group in Mexico, probably as an unbeliever. But I got really good. I got really good at the trappings of religion. And so the trappings of religion kind of obscured the fact that the substance wasn't really, wasn't really there. So for me, my calling into the life of Christ, my salvation, kind of corresponded simultaneously with a call to ministry. Hmm. Around the time. It was around the same time. What about you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, growing up in church, it's hard to know when the moment of salvation happened. There's a time I remember that I've kind of ascribed as my salvation moment. I was reading in Ephesians and just remember being struck by, in my head, I think I'd had a transactional relationship with God where like I could do my sin stuff as a duplicitous Christian and then I could do my church stuff and they kind of absolved each other. I wouldn't have framed it into those terms, but I think that's how I felt. Hmm. And I remember reading in Ephesians, just thinking if God was the one who had chosen me and pursued me, then this like there wasn't this transaction. I wasn't doing him favors by doing Christian stuff. He had had come to save me, and so just being overwhelmed by I have to, I should live differently if this is true. And that was a time when things actually changed. So it wasn't like you know the angels weren't singing and the sun didn't shine in my window in a in a conspicuous way. But that's when I started actually living Christianly. I think he was a big influence on that. My dad was. I had a, our coworker in Mexico, Bob Metz, um, when, he, when he came down, he had been a youth pastor in Pennsylvania, and he said, I want to start meeting with you just for discipleship. And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, okay, whatever. Wait, I got tacos out of the thing. But he just began investing in me and kind of pushing at that of, if you say you're a Christian, why do you live this way? Yeah. And kind of just highlighting the duplicitousness. And then it was, in, it was in my last year of high school when it just kind of clicked. I remember working kind of a, one of those garbage high school jobs that nobody likes. And just thinking like, obviously knowing this was not a great job, but, you know, I could, I could proceed in my career and I could make money, but just always thinking of, man, I really miss what we got to do in Mexico and then getting to be involved in my youth group in the States and, and getting to teach a little bit and really enjoying that and getting disciple and thinking I could actually do this. Like I could, I could spend my life getting to disciple people and teaching God's word. And it never, as weird as it sounds, it never really occurred to me to do that. I'd always push back on that because my dad was a pastor. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to do that, but. 
It was when the lights kicked on. It was like, oh, I could actually do this with my life. There was, for me, the whole call to ministry and salvation and everything clicking. It happened freshman year with John Piper. He was he was asked to come and deliver at uh, Southeastern College of Wake Forest the Desiring God Lectures. And, it, it, I mean, it was preaching, but it wasn't. He, he was just, it was a lecture. And I sat near the front and imputation of mm. Christ's righteousness suddenly just like it all snapped together. And then from there, it was like a series of concentric circles, right? So you see like the the righteousness of Christ that's imputed to me and then I'm justified and that that creates kind of the the cell or the central organizing principle of the gospel and then the gospel is then the central organizing principle of all of life and Christ has invited me into that. And I see that was all new verbiage, all new ways of thinking compared to the 90s when it was all about kind of religious sensibilities and uh, feelings and versions of legalism. And uh, when you get around to it, why don't you go ahead and try to invite Jesus into mm-hmm. that situation mm-hmm. based on you know my, uh, my whims and my desires, not God's. I'm curious about you, right? Because I know you guys had, you almost got signed or got signed. Like you were a part of bands that were making it. What was yeah. it that pulled you away from pursuing that towards the church? Yeah, it's interesting because you talk about things happening simultaneously. And for me, it's really when uh, I started to have a passion for music and I joined a band. And then guys here at Grace Baptist Church, my mentors, guys like Spencer McCush and Dan Smouse, they would point to me and go like, okay, you're this guy at church. And then we hear stories about what you're like when you're kind of with your bands and when you're at high school and we see a huge disconnect. Let's talk about that. And going like, you're absolutely right. Hmm. I'm pretending, I'm pretending at school. And then I'm coming back and I'm playing kind of the church boy when I'm here. And so it was a realization that um, I was able to pretend, but I couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. The, the gig was up, yeah. you know? And so for me, it was it was dedicating my, my life. And I wouldn't say rededicating, it was dedicating my life to Christ. Uh, I remember being at home summer year of my junior year and, and just wanting to be a part of the church and wanting to to invest in my own faith. God gave me an appetite for his word, and God has just slowly fed that over the years. Oh, look, you just walked in. Oh. All right. What do we have here? We have Pastor Joe Keller. Uh, we were just hearing from Ryan talk about his call to ministry. Joe just rub, rubbed potpourri on my hand. Gosh. That is really potent. That is very potent. Burning my nose here. You caught us like in a very serious moment. Oh, sorry. No, that's sorry. good. It's, we goofed off. Started to well up with tears. I'm like, hey, by the way, hey, did, did you hear this new burrito joint? No, we we goofed you off. Smell something weird? We goofed off for twenty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's some hand sanitizer up your nose as you're sharing about what Jesus did in your life. We got all the wiggles out for twenty minutes, and then we like we moved into really this really serious space. Conversation, and then you guys showed up. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> as, as you were saying. But the moment's over. Really That's gone. No, anyway, we're glad you're in ministry, Ryan, and that the Lord saved you. But no, tell us more about the hand sanitizer, Joe. What's um? <laughs> it, it was such a speed bump that I still have whiplash. <laughs> it was like, you know. Well, thanks, everybody, for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed that one. Can't wait to have you back next week when we kick off season two of Magnify. Magnify.